When I say lawyers used to be in a bubble, I include myself. So when in 2016, I was developing new legal service without talking to the users, I was in this kind of bubble. I was thinking just to myself and with my partners, what could be nice to the market without considering the user's perspective, without trying, even trying to understand their pains, what they desire, good solution for this pain. Welcome to the Lego Creatives Podcast. Today, I have a really special guest that is going to share his journey through innovation, legal design, but also his journey towards transforming his own organization. As you hear me often say, legal design is, before anything, a transformative journey. We get to transform ourselves and then we get to transform our own organization. And this is exactly why I'm so excited that you get to hear the story of Mauro Martins, who is my special guest for today's episode on the Lego Creatives Podcast. Moro is a legal innovator working for many years in technology. He is absolutely passionate about digital transformation and growth hacking, but he really found his passion in legal design. He's applying this knowledge at PK Advocados, which is the law office that is the most renowned in the tech sector in Brazil and he is also using the methodology to create something new and this is exactly what I want to share today on the podcast. Thank you so much Moro for being on the show. Hi Tessa, thank you, thank you for having me and for your kind words. It's a pleasure to be here today and talk to you a little bit about my experience in this transformative journey using legal design to innovate in the legal field. Can't wait to hear. Moro has an impressive track record of achievement. He's going to tell you all about it, but mostly he's going to share his real life insights into how legal design got to transform also the organization he works in. And so before we get to know more about this transformative journey, let's know a little bit about what is the organization that you work with and who does this organization serve? So I work at PK Advogados, a law firm in Brazil based in Sao Paulo that has 20 year experience in technology and innovation. And now uh, we had uh, a spin-off and I am the chief of design of PK Hub that is the, the hub just dedicated to legal innovation and to improve legal services at PK. That's great. So tell us a little bit how you got started or what was the first step you decided to take inside the organization? So uh, it's a, a real journey because it was not that easy. As you can imagine, lawyers in general have a lot of resistance to, to accept new ideas of how to practice law. And 
since the beginning, I've tried a lot of things to, to promote this, this change at PK. I would like just to, to share why I decided to do this, because as you, you know, I have this technology background before being a lawyer. And since I started at PK, I had the opportunity to work at Microsoft from 2012 to 2016. And there I had the opportunity to, to see the transformation of this company that used to be one of the most innovative in the world. But in 2012, 2013, it was not more that innovative. So uh, the new CEO, Satya Nadella, decided to move Microsoft to another level and bring Microsoft to these new technologies like mobile and cloud computing. So, but it was amazing to see how they did this because it was not a transformation of the product portfolio or a transformation in advertisement or something like this. It was a future change. And what, how huge that impacted not only the technology employees, but also us, the lawyers that worked at Microsoft at that moment. And during an event in Seattle, he asked us to think about how to practice a, a more efficient law, how to be uh, faster, how to be more efficient, how to be uh, more bold. And this event was so transformative in my life that I decided from that point not more working like without thinking if what I am doing can be improved or not. I am always look for improvements in my law practice. The first idea that I had, it was in 2015, and I helped Microsoft to move it from an Excel spreadsheet to manage all the lawsuits that they had to a software much more uh, easy to, to handle and to manage the, the case. And since 2016, I came back to OPK to, uh, in order to implement this new way of thinking uh, to try to implement uh, a new area of innovation and new business. But I faced some troubles in the beginning. For instance, in 2017, my first idea of helping them to think differently was sharing some research that I have done around the world in order to follow and to see what's going on in other countries, because we have a much vibrant scene in UK, for instance. We have also a very great initiatives in New York, in Stanford, in Silicon Valley. And I was trying to convince them that the way we practice law is going to change in the future, in the near future, sharing this kind of information. Well, it was not enough. So I decided to show them in 2018. So before yeah. we move into the second stage, I think it's important 
why this didn't work so well? What was the reaction you got, if any? Uh, in my perspective, I believe that sometimes lawyers used to live like in a bubble. We don't consider that we need to understand what's going on in their society. We, we just think that law and law firm, law department are outside of the society and don't need to, to follow these uh, changes in what's going on uh, with people outside the law field. It's very hermetic, very protected. Yeah, I believe that is because during the, the, the law graduation, we used to always look back to look for solutions that have worked in the past. So I believe that most of the lawyers used to have a phrase of doing different because you have some risks of not applying what have worked before. In the past, you know? yes. Referring yeah. to jurisprudence and all of that. Exactly. And so, what, and, and so when you presented all this great research from the UK, from the Silicon Valley, and what was the answer you got? Do you... It was always like, uh, this is far from here. It's not from Brazil. Uh, these solutions are in English to be translated to Portuguese is we will spend some time. It's not in this decade or something like uh, I, I have heard that artificial intelligence is not so intelligent and da -da -da. you know, a lot of uh, answers that are not based in uh, real Acknowledge about these topics, but also to something that I heard, something that I my friend told me, mm -hmm. and I was trying to to show them that the level of technology in legal in, in the legal field applied to legal service to help lawyers work better to improve their performance was developing really fast around the world. I know that in 2016 in Brazil, the exceeding was not so developed because we had just few law techs and legal techs. But around the world, I was uh, convinced that it was uh, a really great opportunity to, to lawyers. And so this is really interesting, Moro, and I really appreciate the fact that you're sharing it's an attempt you made to show them how exciting mm -hmm. this could be. And you probably were the most excited one in the room. Exactly. And only to realize that they didn't really relate to the stories that you brought from uh, overseas. And uh, they didn't feel any sense of urgency to take any type of action. So. Is there a lesson that you've learned in this specific stage? Because I know then you have tried new strategies, you're going to share the strategies, but before we move there, what is the lesson you have learned from this? So I would say that I have learned that it's not enough just, just to 
show something or just to tell about something, you know? Because people uh, want to see some real examples, like uh, it's an analogy, but they need to touch, to, mm -hmm. to see and to understand if this is real or is is only a story that you are uh, told to them. So they, they I, I believe that in their perspective, when you just say that something's happening, it's, it's too far in the distance, too right? Too far in the distance, exactly. And so what did you do after that? What happened next? So the next idea, the next try was, uh, uh, the idea for, was education then and to bring them closer to the, these new technologies and new mindsets that we are applying in, in the startups world, for instance, that are companies much more uh, faster and, uh, you know, innovative in, in the world. So I... I asked them to hire some trainings for us, for the lawyers. For instance, we had trainings about how to code in blockchain. Um, we have other uh, trainings about soft skills like agile mindset, like uh, event to the legal design, others related to big data, to data analysis. So I was trying not to have specialists in this new abilities but was trying just to show to them that it could be possible learn other things uh, and develop other skills in parallel to to the law skills to the legal skills that we had uh, in our career so it was important because at this moment in this second wave, uh, we call, we call it, can call waves, in the second wave, I noticed that uh, I had a, an improvement on this uh, movement to, to change their minds. And some lawyers, not all of them, but some lawyers highlighted as lovers for this kind of skills. So I, I had today work with me, Rafael, for instance, that is an amazing person to work with blockchain. He loved blockchain. Now he is specialized in blockchain. And it was one example of this kind of uh, result I had using this second strategy. So using the second strategy in which you got to immerse lawyers in the law firm to upskill themselves in skills that were a bit uh, not, well, I think we can say not traditional skills like blockchain and coding and yeah. agile. And so this led you to identify some champions, some, uh, some uh, supporters as well for this. And you got more of a positive reaction. And also just for everyone to understand at the time, what was your, your role in the organization? Because it's also important to to know exactly what you were trying to achieve. What was your position for people to relate better as well to your story? Can you tell a little bit about that as well? Oh, I see. 
Uh, I have played a lot, a lot of roles during these years, but at this moment, I was playing the role of head of digital transformation yeah, because the idea was uh, to promote this digital transformation not only from, from to outside of the organization because we are and always have been specialized in technology innovation, but I was wondering if we could apply this kind of technology and innovation inside the organization, you know, to use this as tools to improve our legal services. Mm -hmm. That was the, the idea. Perfect. And so what happened in the third wave? So you've tried educating, you have seen a better response, you've mm -hmm. even identified some supporters and champions, but still you felt it was not enough, right? You felt it was still not the kind of movement you expected, right? Exactly. And the reason was the same with the considering the, the first wave, because, okay, they learned new skills, some of them more than others, but in some ways, everybody learned something new, but they didn't apply in their uh, daily routines. So with some time, they were losing their new abilities, their new skills. And I was thinking, how can we use these new abilities right now in our daily routine? So I decided to apply these new knowledges in our internal process, in our internal services. So this third wave was trying to, we can call, uh, learn from the example. So we started thinking, for instance, we here in Brazil, we had a new law regarding data protection. And in the beginning of this, this law, uh, I was wondering if we could provide a better legal service because it's a huge and very complicated law. And in the traditional way, of providing legal services related to, to data protection law, you can just analyze the company, your client, and then send to this company a huge legal opinion saying you are okay here and you have all these things to do to be in compliance with the law. And then we realized that it could be better. We could provide a better service. So we decided to build a software, a system to help our clients not only to receive this legal opinion and see what they need to do to be in compliance, in compliance with the law, but to also help them to follow this process of compliance and other things. Then we decided to include other features like uh, trainings in order to help them to train their employees and other many features. But it was the, the first try to offer legal services in, in a totally different way. Then in, we had last year 
Then, and before, before we jump into the other example, this is really oh, yeah. interesting. So you have decided in a, as a third attempt to embed everything you're preaching into the operations, into the products, into the services, and trying as much as possible to integrate those methodologies into the way you deliver the service. And so you created yeah. this software yeah. And what was the response from your clients as well as from the lawyers mm -hmm. that were involved in this project? How did it go? Yeah, it was an amazing response because uh, we have noticed that there are a lot of solutions, tech solutions in, in the market to, to help companies um, to implement these new uh, solutions to data privacy and data protection. However, none of them were developed from a view, from a perspective of a lawyer, you know? So we know as lawyers that a company to be 100% compliance with the law, they need to, to, how can I say, they need to consider and take care more than, for instance, the cookies in their website. However, the other solutions just say, oh, if you uh, take care of your cookies, you are okay with the law. And we know that they don't are, you know? So our solution provides much more uh, confidence and trust to, to the client because they know that who built this was a lawyer from a lawyer perspective, from I a legal and perspective. You, and your product oh, yeah. was designed to help lawyers in legal departments? Yeah, not, not only lawyers, but especially data protection officers that are a special role to this kind right. of issue in the companies. Yeah, they can be lawyers, but they cannot be lawyers. But they the idea is sure. helping them even then they are not lawyers. I see. And so the product was designed for them in yeah. order for you to be able to deliver a legal opinion as well as a legal service inside yeah. a product that is the software you have created. Exactly. It's a kind of law as a platform, you know, a law provided by a platform. Yeah. And so the response from lawyers was internally, uh, the ones who were involved with this project, how did it go? Were they involved in the building of this project, the designing? How was the uh, experiment you have done? How did it unfold? Yeah, they were very excited to see uh, this project happen because it was the first uh, try to, to digitalize our legal services. So it was very amazing. We, we faced a lot of um, challenges because it was not easy to, to build technology since from the beginning. Uh, but it was, it was a very interesting experience from, from everybody. And it was so important that now, as you know, we have PK Hub that we decided to spin off just because uh, we saw the results of doing uh, legal services in a different way. That's great. So following this example, which was a major success, 
especially when you compare it to the previous two waves. The third wave really brought everybody together. And uh, people started to have a little bit of spark in the eyes to see what could be possible because it was much closer to their reality as well. And then yeah. you got this idea, or maybe collectively, uh, you came up with this idea to actually set up a hub for innovation to be able to do more of this type of work. Do you want to talk a little bit how this idea came and and why 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 a hub now in addition to the law firm? The idea came from uh, our experience to to understand that we could help the ecosystem here in Brazil much more than we were helping as a law firm. Because as a law firm, you can only provide legal services. Okay, And as a company, that may provide any other services. We can, for instance, provide educational services that it's much important here in Brazil because although we have uh, motivated and provide instruction to our lawyers, we know that outside the PK, we need to, to help other lawyers in Brazil to understand this movement. The same way we help it. Uh, the, the law firm, the uh, lawyers at our law firm. So this means you actually got to learn so much by applying this innovative methodology. And I would love to know also what tools and you have used in this journey. So we'll talk about the tools you have used, the methodologies in just a moment, because mm -hmm. I think this is also interesting for the audience to know how you got to leads this transformative journey that led to the creation of this hub. Uh, but before, let me ask you, so you've been leading this transformation and you've realized that there is an opportunity to actually help other lawyers and law firms do this transformation. So you could actually help the community in Brazil, the legal community in Brazil, uh, start to start this digital transformation and using those methodologies, right? Yes, that's the idea. Uh, I believe, I truly believe that Brazil is one of the best places in the world to apply legal design because here we know that we are facing a lot of troubles, not only in law, but also in justice. We have more than 100 million uh, law cases in our courts. We have more than 1 million and 200 lawyers, but most of them are not well paid. They are not happy with their career because they are working with not so, how can I say, but not so uh, challenging uh, issues. You know, they are working with repetitive activities and uh, I see and I feel that we are in a, in a moment that the law is very di distant from the society mm -hmm. and now we face some problems like people are especially the youngest they are avoiding making contracts because they don't believe anymore in contracts they don't see a reason 
to have a contract because in the end of the day, if they had a problem with this contract, they will spend 10, 15 years to see this resolved in a court. You know? You have noticed there's a disconnect in Brazil because yeah. of the fact that the law is so slow and the justice system is so, you know, there's a huge backlog. Mm -hmm. And as well, you see that uh, lawyers do not necessarily feel fully satisfied by the way they practice. Or maybe mm -hmm. some of them are, but a lot of them may not be. And, and you also notice people sort of are disconnecting from the law, from uh, contracts and, and, and the courts. And so you decided this is a great uh, constellation of events, if I may say, to do something, to do something to help the market. Exactly. I see that we have now a notion of opportunities in legal design because when you see how much things we need to improve in legal services, and when I say legal service, I'm not saying only uh, lawyers' services, but I'm saying also uh, judicial services from government. I am saying also uh, lawmakers' services. Mm -hmm. So we need to improve all these things that are related to, to the law and related to justice. And to this one million lawyers, it, mm -hmm. it could be a very special opportunity, not only to have a new profession, but also to those who prefer to pass the law, like criminal law, civil law, but to have better results and to be closer to, to the society again, mm -hmm. to be relevant in the society again, to people believe and trust in lawyers, like looking to them and say, oh, they are going to help me with mm -hmm. my problem because I know that they will solve this problem easily, fastly, you know? That's the yes. idea that our, our goal with the K-Hub. So this means it's about, uh, it's about providing new kinds of services to help the legal community in Brazil innovate, uh, start digitalize and ultimately the outcome that is expected is for people to have more trust in, and confidence in hiring a lawyer and you do that by working with law firms and whoever is interested in this transformation so you have mentioned legal design so i uh, would imagine you have been using legal design throughout those waves you have mentioned the three waves of this transformation mm -hmm. You've been using legal design to uh, lead this transformation. Can you tell a little bit about what is what 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 did you use and and how did it, what did you learn in this process? I started using legal design in 2018. Then between 2016 and 17, I didn't use because I didn't know legal design, and I need to be true and honest. Uh, I faced a lot of troubles because I didn't use legal design. So you because, say you didn't use it in 2016 because you didn't yeah, know about it. Yeah. What you learned, you say, oh, so if I ha if only I had new legal design back in 2016, what you would have done differently then? Uh, I would save a lot of money in time, for instance. 
<laughs> because when you you don't use legal design, you are probably working consider what you believe it's nice, it's great to the market. And this is not always true. So I uh, developed some new legal services that were not a success between 2016 and 17 because of that. Because so, not talking to, not talking enough to users, not understanding enough. Yeah. So what the not, market is ready to pay for and what do they need and want? Everything, everything. Not consulting the, the users, not testing, not prototyping. Do uh, the entire solution before talking to, to okay. your client. So you everything. <laughs> everything wrong. Everything wrong. All right. So if exactly. you were to do it using legal design, what would be the first thing you would have done back in 2016? What is the one first thing you would have done? Oh my God. Great question. Um, I would say that the first thing that I would apply, I couldn't apply prototyping, I couldn't apply um, testing in sophisticated testing, but talking to, to the users and try to understand their needs and try to find the real problem and not to wondering about what could be the problem. Uh, I would apply this kind of mindset in 2016. So talking more to the users, instead of trying to boost the team internally to adopt those new methodologies from abroad, from the UK and Stanford, and just you know trying to understand also what the market needs, what users needs. You have mentioned also prototyping, even if at the time you may not, you didn't maybe know how to do that. Now, you, I mean, you have, I've seen yourself getting so much training in those new tools. So for now, now for you prototyping, is like second nature, but getting to prototype, getting to test, and uh, all of that you would have done. What is um, one thing you would recommend to someone who is listening now to this podcast interview and our great conversation? What is one thing you would suggest they do if they want to pursue a similar career or undertake a similar transformation uh, amazing question. Although I have talked a lot about technology, and it, it's because of my technology background and the opportunities that I had, but I understand that legal design and legal innovation is not only about technology. You know, technology sometimes can be an amazing tool to to achieve the result that we want to achieve. But in the end of the day, it's all about human and humanity. So if I could say just one thing to those who want to start this kind of um, a path to innovate in legal field, I would say that this person could start putting the person, the user, in the center of their solution. You know, because as I told before, 
when I say lawyers who used to be in a bubble, I include myself in this scenario, you know. So when in 2016, I was developing new services, new legal services, without using legal design, without talking to the users, I was in this kind of bubble. I was thinking just to myself and with my partners, what could be nice to the market? Oh, this could be nice, let's do this. Without talking, without considering the user's perspective, without trying, even trying to understand their pains, what they wait or what they desire as a good solution for this pain, if they would pay to solve this pain. I had a, an example of solution that I tried before, that it was a solution, was, was a solution. Solve the problem of our clients, yes, it could be solved with this solution. But the problem was the clients were not considering to pay for this solution because their pain, it was not enough to pay for this. They were okay with that pain. It was a pain, it was, it was, I can share with you, it was a solution to help them to organize the Black Friday. They talked to us that, okay, it's a pain. We faced a lot of trouble every year with Black Friday, mm -hmm. but we don't have budget to this. We prefer to use our budget to other things. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we build things that the market don't cares or don't want. To we build buy. things thinking the market will love this solution, but if we don't really ask users, and I think this is a key to ask them or to find out if they are ready to pay for it. So if it, this is not a priority, it may be a good solution, but then it's not sustainable. And so this means the advice you would give to someone is to talk more to users, understand mm -hmm. better the market, what are the pain, what are the problems, are they ready also to adopt the solution and to pay for it? Exactly. Sometimes I feel that lawyers in general like to study law, study law, study law, understanding deeply all the aspects of that law, for instance, tax law, labor law, but they don't have time to talk to the clients, mm -hmm. to talk to the users. And not a formal talk, you know, like an interview, but a talk, an informal talk, just to call and say, how are you, everything's okay, uh, how can I help you, uh, what problems are you facing, do you believe that you are 100% okay, or there is something that you desire to, to improve in, in your legal department, for instance, I feel that we lawyers need to be, as you said, uh, closer to, to the persons outside of the castle, talking to them in their environment, feel what they are feeling, understand what they are understanding, see what they are seeing, because from the castle, it's very difficult to to understand what they are thinking, what they need, what you could do to, to help them. And in the end of the day, how can you as a lawyer help your client? 
we don't need to see our clients here as, as a source of money, but as partners. And we need to help them in the best way to solve their problems, but not the best way that we believe that is the best way. Because sometimes we have other options, other solutions. We need to be creative. We need to be bold mm -hmm. to uh, try to solve their, uh, their problems with different solutions. What is uh, one common uh, myth that you hear a lot about legal design and assuming this is a myth, so what is this myth and uh, why is this so untrue? Oh my God, <laughs> let's try to choose one. Can I talk about two? There are two myths that I, I believe we can talk about. First of them is about creativity. And people used to say that lawyers are not creative people. But I used to refuse this uh, affirmation saying that everybody is creative. It's not a matter of uh, to know how to think creatively, but just a matter uh, of improving our portfolio of ideas. If you stand up, saying, eat, sleep, law, every day, just law, of course, your portfolio of idea, it will be very reduced. But if you learn other things, if you play other games, if you talk to people from other professions, you can use all these kinds of insights, of informations in order to anytime think differently and think about different solutions. You don't need to be an expert on artificial intelligence or in blockchain. But if you understand a little bit how this technology can help your, your client, it's enough. By learning AI and blockchain, not necessarily becoming an expert, but just being aware that exactly. it exists and how it works. So then you can start thinking about how you could potentially use this in your practice. Is it, yes, that's it. And the other one is regarding confusing design with art or with aesthetic things, you know? Then most of people that used to, to tell me that they think that legal design is something only related to, to visual, to improve visually the legal documents, I used to say that is one of the worst myths in, in the legal design field because if we reduce the legal design or even the design itself to uh, artistic work, we are losing the most powerful tool that we have in our hands to improve the legal services. Because when we design, even in other industries like uh, graphic design or other designs, but also in legal design, we are solving a problem. It's 
all about solving problems and to find the best way to solve a problem. So I used to say when we are using legal design, we are not improving visually nothing. We are just finding the best way of solving a legal problem, a legal issue. So the clients use ask for legal design not because they want uh, a fancy contract, uh, a fun agreement. It's because, for instance, their clients, their consumers, don't understand their their contracts. It's because because of this, they are facing a lot of lawsuits to discuss that contract. It's because their employees, for instance, don't follow the compliance policies, the privacy policies. You know, they don't understand, or even when they understand, they don't follow the rules. And this is the issue, the problem that legal design solves, not uh, only visual. The visual is a tool, an instrument, and it's not the only one. It's one of them that we use to improve uh, the legal services. And it's important to say, I, I believe you have asked before and I didn't answer. I am using legal design in everything since 2018. Since I noticed that I could improve everything with legal design, I use legal design to find the best solution to any of the solution I mentioned before. You know, mm. since the legal GPO and others that we have built, uh, in all these projects, we use legal design because, as I told you, the idea is not only build something more efficient, more usable, and more um, linked to the market needs, but also to avoid the past wrong mistakes. Mm -hmm. now, spend money and time to build something that nobody cares. So yeah. this yeah. is why legal design can be useful to build something that people will actually care, right? What yeah. a great interview, Mauro. We've been learning so much. I've been learning so much from your insights. Really an interesting and fascinating journey you've been undertaking and you have now, you know, created this new hub and it's really amazing how you got to use legal design to transform your organization now with the objective also to transform the markets the legal sector and so we would love to have our audience connect with you what is the best way for the audience to connect with you mo i like to share my knowledge all the things that i am learning in many ways so i use a lot of linkedin to share uh, articles uh, more long articles i also uh, use to share my daily routines at instagram and people can find me as mauru junior legal designer dot legal designer and now i have just built uh, a website because at this website, I can share other things that I can in social media. So I have there, for instance, 
all the international events about legal innovation that people can follow and participate. So uh, it's another way to share that is uh, www.thelegaldesigner.com.br. That's that great. Brazilian. It's only in Portuguese so far, but I, I uh, believe in the future, I will have this in English also. Well, thank you for contributing to the podcast. Do not hesitate to connect with Mauro Martins. You can also visit his website, thelegaldesigner.com.br. Thank you again for being a part of this podcast. Thank you, Tessa. It was a pleasure to be here and to talk a little bit, share these ideas and contribute with this amazing initiative that is your podcast. And thank you so much for being also just such great um, inspiration for all of us. And I know you have an idea or a goal to achieve one billion persons uh, one billion person in the world with legal design. So I would say that you can count on me, at least in Brazil, to help with this challenge and this goal. Well, thank you so much, Mauro, and let's stay in touch. If you would like to start your own journey and immerse yourself into the future of law today, you are always welcome on the Lego Creatives platform. We are running our online academy all year long with knowledge in legal design and practice for you to operate this mindset shift. You will get to meet an incredible community of legal professionals that are learning online on the platform and have more experience, more practice and a much better understanding of the legal design methodology so you can innovate. And if you're up for an immersive and intensive learning experience, I highly recommend you join us for the next expert certification program in May to get to learn and to practice the legal design methodology with professionals from all around the world. If you feel this episode could be useful to a friend or a colleague, make sure to share this podcast episode with them right now. That way you will be able to share together your insights from the incredible story of Mauro Martins. In the next episode of the Lego Creatives Podcast, you will get to hear the amazing story of another incredible guest who is using legal design in the court system working with judges and clerks to streamline the processes, enhance communication, and bring the courts online. So if you would like to be notified when the episode is released, be sure to subscribe to the Legal Creatives Podcast on your most favorite podcast platform. Visit legalcreatives.com to start engaging with our global community of learners from all around the world, whether it's in the academy or the expert program that is coming up in May.